This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Everyone needs purpose in life. And there's no doubt about it that until we find relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we are empty of purpose. Until we find relationship with the church, we can never be fully satisfied as we express the life of God through us. And until we have a meaningful role in the life of the church, we can often feel there is a dimension missing. Please turn to your neighbor with real faith and tell them you must be involved in the work of God. Amen. You must be involved in the work of God. This is the calling that God has placed over your life. This is the major purpose now for you, that you are involved in the work of the Lord. He designed you for relationship, but he also designed you to be actively involved in the work that he has called you to do. When God created Adam and Eve, it was for relationship, and he then immediately gave them work to do under his authority. In Genesis, we find God saying, you have my authority to rule over and subdue. Amen? That's the Genesis. We spring right forward to Jesus coming, and we find in Matthew, Jesus saying, you have my authority to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing them, teaching them, all that I have commanded you. So there is a work for us to do. Uh, In this generation, we find ourselves absolutely maxed out, stretched by the cares and the anxieties and the worries of life. Uh, In particular, in the London atmosphere, in the London scene, I find it unbelievable the pace of life that people live at and the amount of hours that they are expected to work just to make it through. But there is a higher calling, there is a greater calling, and it is the call of God for you. Amen? Now, you might not be called to a platform function. You may not be called specifically to what we would call an Ephesians 4 role, an apostolic role, but I'm here today, this weekend, to remind you that you are called of God. You are called to be a son, and you are called to function under the authority that God has given to you. Amen? I'm reminding you, you are carrying the authority of God and the anointing of God. And if the enemy can somehow subdue that in you, if he can cripple that in you, if he can distract you, if he can get you worn out and tired by everything else that is going on in life, if if he can drive you in a direction that is not of God, he will be committed to do that because he knows that you are dangerous. Amen? He knows that you are dangerous because if we get 
freed up and we begin to function in what God has called us to do as the body of Jesus, we are a force under God, a powerful body to see the kingdom of God come. And he knows it. Amen. Because friends, let's remind each other, the devil knows it. You were called and you were destined to reign and to rule in life. Amen. You are not down at the bottom. You are at the highest place because the Lord says, I've raised you up to the highest place possible in the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! Glory to God. I'm going to preach you on fire tonight, whether you like it or not. Amen. It's Saturday, but Sunday's coming, Pastor Dave. Glory to God. Amen. So wonderful to be called into the work of the Lord. Pastor Dave and I driving along with Paul today, we recognized that ours is the best job in the world. It comes with an awful lot of stuff. But, but believe you me, it's best to be involved in the work of God. It really is. So we go in his name and we are called to do his work. Now, when I use part, the word partner here, I just want to clarify something. I mean a co-worker with Christ. Amen. A partner is a co-worker with Christ. Just pause a moment because we could just so easily just brush over those words when to realize that there is a dawning in your soul and a dawning in your spirit that you are a co-worker with Christ. Hallelujah. What a privilege. Here we are sitting together and we are co-workers with the Lord. And then I need to remind you, of course, 2 Corinthians 6, verses 1 and 2, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. That's referring to the call of God to be a fellow worker with him. The grace of God is not only for your salvation. The grace of God also enables you to function as a co-worker with Jesus. We need a lot of grace. Amen. I think in these days, uh, in this generation in which we're living, when we're facing what we're facing, to continue being a co-worker with Christ, we need his grace, abundant grace in us and flowing through us. Amen. King James translation is actually better. I love it. We then as workers together with him. Don't you love that? I love that. You know, that's what we learned in Sunday school. We then together as workers with him. And I want to put an emphasis there on the word together. Amen? Because when we look at partnership, it's not about you individually being a partner on your own somewhere praising Jesus. You in your small corner and I in mine. No, this partnership is not only Godward, it's also manward. That you and I have been called to be co-workers and partners with the Lord Jesus in his work, but also partners and co-workers together with him. Amen? That to together word there is not only together with him, it's also together with him. Amen? So turn to your neighbor and say, we want to be together. Glory to God. <laughs> Woo! I love it. I, uh, you know, I just fell in love with the church, you know. I, I love Jesus with all my heart. I, I really love the Lord Jesus, but I also love the church. And I think the church is the most amazing 
organism that will ever function together in time and in eternity. Hallelujah. As the bride of Jesus functioning together, cooperating and co-working with the Lord. Now, that's the real reason why you're here. Amen. How can you be depressed? How can you be low in your spirit when God can touch us with a revelation for the highest purpose that we have? If we begin to do what God has called us to do, then we will be on fire for him. When you're functioning in ministry, you soon learn that actually the anointing on your life and in your life kicks into being when you start to do what God has called you to do. Is that right, Pastor Dave? Because the anointing is not for you to, to make you feel good. It's an enabling of the Spirit to be able to do what God has called you to do. A lot of people say, you know, I wish I could feel that, Pastor. I wish I really, really felt that. You know when you talk about the anointing going right down your legs, whoosh, like this. When you talk about how you feel that fire burning in your belly, when you're experiencing God as you're ministering and walking with him, let me tell you, the key to that is not just only getting along with God, which is absolutely vital, it's also to be doing what God has called you to do, recognizing that in the body you've been given a clear mandate and you must function. Then you will find the anointing and the overflow has a free flow, amen? Glory to God. Wonderful. So as you hear heaven and know what God has called you to do, you will find that that will happen for you. Now, tonight and tomorrow, I want to use the letter to the Philippians as like a guide as we walk through. You, do, you don't need to turn to it now because in a moment we're going to Acts, but I just want to make that clear because it would be fantastic if when you get home tonight, you could read the letter to the Philippian church. It's not very long. You could read it and you will have the best night's sleep you've had for weeks. Hallelujah. And if you don't normally open your Bible and read, well, praise God, I'm giving you a spiritual prescription tonight to open your word and read the letter to the Philippians. It will really stimulate your spirit and uh, cause you to be fully aware of what we're looking at uh, tomorrow as well. So first point tonight, because I believe in points, Pastor Dave. Amen. Clear things that you can walk away with. The first thing I want to talk about is coming up on the screen. Partnership in the gospel. Amen. Don't you love the gospel? I remember as a young man when I absolutely fell in love with Jesus. But I also fell in love with the message. You can, that's, that should be right, shouldn't it, really? Come on. We fall in love with Jesus when he touches us and just heals us and restores us and fills us. But I love the message because the message of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. 
Hallelujah. It's by this message and this message alone that I have been saved. Amen. I wasn't saved because I was the son of a pastor who was the son of a pastor who was the son of a pastor who was the son of a pastor. No, no. I was saved because one day as a young man, I remember going home and saying, Lord, unless you break into my life, unless I discover you for myself, unless I have an encounter, with you at a supernatural level by your spirit I recognize I am without hope and I'm lost I tell you I could quote scripture I could I could just recite texts I still can but it, it was no benefit until Jesus came right through in the center of my life and I'm proud to stand on this platform and say I've been saved by the power of the gospel thanks be to God somebody say hallelujah is anybody breathing out there glory to god <laughs> you know friends i'm used to a big black church now shouting back at me and standing up and waving handkerchiefs <laughs> glory to god i am i've got used to it i love it i love it clifford you say yes i know they call you the, the the black man with white skin glory to god i don't mind what they call me as long as they get saved glory to god so how wonderful fall in love with Jesus friend <laughs> fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with the message because it's by that message that you've been saved but there's another level here we're talking about tonight we're talking about a partnership with the gospel that how God works in this generation is going to be through you as you partner with him as you partner together and as you partner in the work of the gospel there it is philippians 1 verse 5 shall we read it together i always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel that's got that element of standing together I love that. Every pastor will love that. When the body is just linked in heart and spirit and standing together. That's about fellowship. That's about participation. That's about cooperation. That's about moving with one heart and one spirit in the purpose of God. And Paul was thrilled here because he uses the word joy. I pray with joy. Paul wasn't praying with a heavy heart. He was praying with joy as he remembered those who partners with him in the gospel. He's thrilled about the fellow workers. Why is he filled about the fellow workers? Because they've continued to be faithful to him and they've continued to stand alongside him. Not necessarily in geographical location because Paul was an itinerant man, but in heart and in spirit, they were committed in partnership to the work of God. They stayed with him in sharing the good news. Now that's the main purpose that we have friends never be distracted from the main thing let the main thing remain the main thing because the reason why moira pentecostal church exists is to spread the gospel of the lord jesus christ amen that's the work that god has called you to and when we stop that and we focus on all the other things necessary though they are 
growing and developing, discipling and teaching and developing buildings and projects and youth groups and children, everything. But everything comes back to the main purpose, the spreading of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Glory. Then secondly, advancement of the gospel sometimes happens as a result of what we go through. Aye. Sometimes happens as a result of what we go through. As I look across the faces in this congregation, there are many stories. I would imagine every one of us could stand on this platform and talk about things that we've come through only because Jesus brought us through. Amen. Isn't it true, friends? We're only where we are today because Jesus brought us through. We're who we are today because Jesus has brought us through. And the, his promise is he will use everything for the furtherance of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying exactly the same here in Philippians 1 verse 12. Come on church, let's read it again together. I want to get the word in your mouth tonight. Are you ready? I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Amen? What we go through. Paul is waiting trial in Rome as he pens these verses. And the fellow believers in Philippi came to mind. He prayed for them and he sends this letter to them. Now, actually, if you know the story of Paul's life, you would have thought, well, maybe Philippi was a place he would prefer to forget. Because what Paul went through in various cities and towns was really life-threatening and serious. But instead, he remembers. Now, we're going to read the word tonight, and I'm about to blow my nose, so turn me down, and then we're going to read, and I'm not going to apologize for reading a big chunk of Scripture. We're going to read the Bible tonight, because that's why we're here. Amen? Praise God. So get ready, and I'll blow my nose. Amen. So turn with me to Acts 16, and we're going to read these verses from verse 11. And believe it or not, Pastor Dave, we're going to read to through, through to verse 40. Can you handle that? Amen. You normally just like like six six verses or ten verses, but praise God. Hang on a minute. The Spirit. <laughs> Glory to God. Okay, we're going we're gonna to read from verse 11. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river. I love that. Isn't that wonderful? They went to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman, the women who had gathered there. 
One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Don't you love that? Isn't that beautiful? That's wonderful. Let's continue. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Hey. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into uproar. You know, we're living in a time, church, when our message and who we are and what we stand for is going to start to come across like this, that we will be regarded as extreme and our message is, will be extreme, but believe, and we'll be said to be throwing the place and the city and the town and the community in uproar because we stand for the truth of the word of God. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten after they'd been severely flogged. You know, when I read this in my hotel room, this afternoon, the Spirit of God came on me as I was reading this. And I began to weep over what the early church went through. And I think it would be right for me to remind us that we may well be going into years in the future where we face this type of thing. You know, you don't need much biblical knowledge and much revelation of the spirit to realize that we have entered a different season as time moves towards its climax and the coming of the Lord Jesus. I believe we see in the end time power just raising its ugly head. It's probably not shaped up yet and things have still got to maneuver and set into place. But believe you me, you better be looking up for your redemption draws nigh. Amen. Church, I'm telling you, look up because your redemption draws nigh. It is at hand. The coming of the Lord is at hand. This is a time for the church to walk in holiness, purity, and righteousness. This is not a time for us to play games, not a time for us to be distracted by earning finance and growing things for the self and flesh. It's a time for us to be sold out for the work of the gospel, just as these mighty men were. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And a jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. We, we read this 
as if we're just reading a history book. But these were two mighty men of God who were going through this. We might at times think, well, why didn't God save them before they were flogged? God knew he was going to send an angel. Why didn't he do it before they were flogged? Why didn't he do it? Because he knew how and he knew the need. Why has God allowed me and Miriam to go through what we've been through? Why has he allowed you to go through what you have been through? Friend, we can't give an answer for everything, but I can tell you the promise of God is that in everything he will be glorified. And there will be a reason why you're facing what you're facing, why you're walking through what you're walking through. And it is sometimes the key to the advancement of the gospel. For we are a letter written, hallelujah. We ourselves are a letter, just as they are, reciting and reminding people of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. About midnight, I love this bit, praise God. midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God look at that spirit amen I think most of us would have been saying Lord what are you doing where are you we'd have been angry we'd have been uptight we'd have been bruised we were battered they would have been bleeding and here we are at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Sometimes we have become so immature in our faith that we stop singing just because a small thing hasn't gone right. Here they are in stocks and being beaten and they're singing. Hallelujah. Nobody knows how we would be. We read about what others are going through abroad in places where persecution is happening and we can only say Lord if it ever comes to us may we have the grace and the strength to face it the other prisoners were listening to them wonderful suddenly there was such a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken at once all the prison doors flew open oh yes lord and everybody's chains came off what a spiritual statement that is, isn't it i mean you could preach a whole series just on that one line couldn't you and everybody's chains came off glory to god i've given you a title dave <laughs> everybody's chains came off wow <laughs> literal physical chains for them sometimes for us a spiritual freedom that we've not yet moved into everybody's chains came loose the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped but Paul shouted don't harm yourself we're all here wow wisdom of God the jailer called for the lights rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas he then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? If this wasn't for, for the furtherance of the gospel, I don't know what is. Because this man, the very man who was about to fall on his sword, says, what must I do to be saved? Hallelujah. Bless God. Wonderful. 
They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God, he and his whole family. We, we could go on, but we'll leave it there. Friends, how amazing that what Paul went through, what Silas went through, was for the furtherance of the gospel. And then next, the defense of the gospel is still needed today. I hope you're writing these down, friends, the gospel the defense of it. It's not that God needs us to protect the gospel. He's quite capable of doing that. His word remains unchanged. But we do need to be able to give a reason why we believe what we believe. Amen. Listen, friend, listen to my heart. If ever there was a time for you to be a student of the word of God, it's now. We need to know what we believe. We need to be learning passages of Scripture. We need to be digesting it like bread, daily bread. We need to be able to bring it from, uh, from the depth of our inner being to our mind and our hearts because one day we may not be able to hold the hard copy or your iPad or your phone and you need to know the Word of God in your spirit. Defense of the gospel is still needed. The power of the cross and the message of the cross was hostile to them. They hated it. They were enemies of the cross. The Roman government and the Jewish religion, enemies of the cross. Paul was in change, in change because of defense of the gospel. Friends, I don't think you need me to say this in the church, but I'm saying it so the message is complete. We must never dilute and we must never compromise the message of the gospel. What we stand for is truth. Amen? We stand for truth. We will not move to the left or to the right. Believe you me, it's on the mainland, full of compromise. It's slowly coming. Okay, come on. Let's wake up. It's, it's coming, it's drifting, it's diluting. The church is operating with a spirit of compromise. It's accepting things that the Word of God says are absolutely not for us. And we are going to have to stand up and say we are defending the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And you must defend your pastors. You must defend your leaders. You must stand together. You know, there will be accusations come. There will be accusers of the brethren, but you will know that true men and women of God are walking in holiness, walking in righteousness, and walking in truth. And we are going to know, uh, we're going to need to know that we are standing together in the work of the gospel. We still need to do that. Paul himself said, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Amen? And then I've got two more points because I'm moving on really quick. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's really doing well tonight. Glory to God. Amen. Here's the four. Whatever happens. Now, if you read through the book, you'll find these in there. Whatever happens. Would you read, the, read this with me again? Come on. Note whatever. 
whatever happens. Let's pause. Because I would be tempted to think, well, you know, this is going to get uncomfortable. Whatever happens. And I realize sometimes when I come into a church or I'm speaking prophetically uh, under an unction, sometimes I realize I'm not preaching a popular message in these days. I'm not necessarily preaching what, you know, reach up and reach your destiny. No, 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 I'm talking about a different destiny. I'm talking about the real one. I'm not talking about seven keys to possessing everything you want from Jesus. No, 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 they might make you feel better, but this is a real serious day and a wake-up for the church. And we need to be aware of the fact this is where we stand. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What an amazing verse that really is. Paul knows the subtle, deceptive attacks of the enemy. And I want to tell you that one of the greatest attacks the enemy will bring, if he can, is to break up your partnership. Your loyalty. Your faithfulness. Your commitment. Your standing together. Let nothing take you out of the fellowship where God has planted you. If you are a sermon taster, and you flit about, change. Get your roots down. And uh, you know, I love this church. Listen, friends, as far as I'm concerned, I've seen Pastor Dave and Sally operate. They are two of the most genuine, committed pastors and leaders that I've met on my journey. God bless you, David. I love you for that. I really do. Because I see the other type. When you travel... You see a lot. And I love the authenticity. And that's a very chosen word. I love the authenticity of what God has done here. Protect it. And you will protect it by your partnership in the gospel. Faithful, loyal, standing together in what God has called you to do. Hallelujah. One of these days, when the enemy comes to bring destruction, people will know where to come because they know what is real and they know what is false, authentic, wonderful, really of God. That's all that means, really of God, really of God. Hallelujah. How that is a precious word for us tonight. So as you read through the book and we look at how we conduct ourselves, you'll find, thank God for the promise. The promise is going to come up here. Paul's already made reference to it. Thank God for this. He who began a good work within them, within those people and within us, will bring it to completion. Isn't that a good job that it's God's work to perfect us? He's already said that whatever has happened to him will turn out for his deliverance. Amen? Pray, friend, when we talk like this, you've got to remember and recall that God is your deliverer. 
He's your protector, he's your provider, and he's your deliverer. Please, again, turn to your neighbor and say, you're coming through. Amen? And that's why, again, he says, don't be frightened in any way from those who oppose you. People will oppose you. Listen, God delivered me from the fear of man years ago. Amen? I'm not really bothered one bit what people think of me. I really, really am not. Because I know what God thinks of me. And he says I'm his son. Hallelujah. And he's called me and he's anointed me. And I'm discharging everything God has called me to do with both barrels. Glory to God. Amen. How wonderful to be free like that, isn't it? Glory to God. Colin Dye, bless his heart. We were walking along one day together. Do you know who Colin Dye is? Yeah. And he said to me, Paul, he says, I says, I don't think there's one negative bone in your body. <laughs> And I thought, I received that. <laughs> Amen. Why should I be negative about anything? You see, negativity is the opposite of the character of God. God is not negative. He's the positive. He is the most positive power surge that we could engage with. The most positive in nature, in character, in joy, in zeal. Hallelujah. So rebuke the negative and allow God to fill you with his character. Do not be frightened in any way by those who oppose you. I'm going to bring a word from heaven for somebody right now. There are times when you begin, it begins maybe with a small seed, a seed, a fear thought. It might be to do with health. It might be to do with something completely different. But a seed thought of fear, and you, in your natural nature, you would build that. You, you would feed that. You would give it right, and you would give it birth. And, and as you do that, it grips you, and you know the process. A foothold can so easily become a stronghold. So I'm standing under God tonight saying that how God wants you to deal with that is from the word of God. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ who is the word. Because let me tell you, this fear is not from God. That seed is not from God. It comes from the enemy. It either comes from the enemy or it comes from you because sometimes people can have a negative approach to life. Wherever it originates from, I'm telling you under God tonight, it is not yours. Don't accept it. Rebuke it and be released from it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sometimes it's to do with your expectation of the future you know what if is a big word what if this but what about that I know God has said this but what about that what if that happened and what if the outcome is this listen you are actually prophesying negative in your future because everything will be whole and now my word there comes right from the Spirit of God and I'm telling you, in Jesus' name, someone needs to hear that word, that word whole. Everything is whole. 
Amen? No deformity, no negative, nothing wrong, no complication, everything smooth and right on time. I'm prophesying under God right now, and I'm saying that every negative expectation and seed is gone from your mind and your heart and replaced by the Word of God. Do you receive that? Amen. Hallelujah. Bless God. I'm nearly done. Let me move on to point five, Paul. Proof of partnership with Jesus and each other is seen in sacrifice and faithfulness, no matter what the cost. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say there's a price. One of the costs, one of the prices that many men and I find we have to pay sometimes is you can be so easily misunderstood. Especially when you're an extrovert. But thanks be to God, the key is being faithful, no matter what the cost. Amen. Faithful, no matter what the cost. I, I don't have time to go into it tonight. Let me blow my nose. Is that okay? I'm taking a funeral. Don't put this on the tape. Uh, don't you don't you just love joy amen do you know i think church should be filled with laughter every sunday i think every meeting there ought to be an aspect of laughter i really really do love laughing in jesus glory to god i, I was just showing who was i showing oh yes i was showing you a baby wasn't i my daughter joanna's had a beautiful bouncy little girl the pregnancy was a nightmare. What she put her granddad through, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> but this little girl, my uh, daughter-in-law said to my daughter, Joanna, who was with child, said, um, they'd already decided on the name. And then my daughter-in-law was alone with Jesus. Runs in the family, glory to God. <laughs> and uh, the Lord said, this child is a child of light. And the name that they already gave her, Elena, means light. And she had no idea. I want to tell you, I have never seen such a happy, smiley, laughing baby. It is amazing. You just look at her Clifford and her face lights up and her mouth opens and she goes, 
like this. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? Wouldn't it be marvelous to see that sign of life and freedom in the body of Jesus as we meet together? Just laughter in the Holy Ghost, genuine, not put on, not a performance, but truly the joy of the Lord. Amen. The joy of the Lord. Praise God. So faithfulness, no matter what the cost. I, I don't have great time to go into it, but the two people that Paul refers to in this passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 2, remember that's the famous passage that we all love where it describes the nature of God and Jesus laying down his life in sacrifice for us. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. Hallelujah. What an amazing passage of scripture and every knee shall bow every tongue confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father but if you go later on in the passage you see there's two shining examples about how to partner in the gospel it's timothy and epaphroditus and this timothy is mentioned i I don't have time to read it but look uh, look at this verse coming up it says but you know that timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Amen. Service. What a great word. Willing to serve. And then Epaphroditus. You know what Epaphroditus means, the name? It means charming. Ladies, he was a charming man. But more than that, more than that, he was sent to care for Paul by the church at Philippi. He was sent to function in just looking after Paul in his life. You know, if he happened to drive a Lexus, Dave, it would have been beautifully washed. If he happened to drive a Honda, it would have been beautifully washed and cared for. I'd love to see that type of expression and care in the body of Jesus where we look around and we see what needs to be done. Actually, if you look at it, he was functioning as a priest, serving as a priest for Paul in his life. Read about him and Timothy when you get home tonight. So friends, this message over the weekend is about reminding you we are partners with the Lord and each other. We should stay close and serve with a right heart and a right spirit. And over this weekend, Paul and I are simply here to serve you, that we might come alongside you as priests unto God, and might encourage you to continue faithfully and loyally serving as a partner and co-worker with Christ and as a partner and co-worker with the body where God has planted you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk. Thank you.